you look at your calendar, you may have already done the calculations, but there are only 19 days left before Christmas. Some people think of these as 19 shopping days left until Christmas. But perhaps we should think of them as 19 prayerful days of preparation before Christmas. We're sometimes so busy with the buzz surrounding Christmas that we forget that this is most of all a special time to prepare for the birth of Jesus Christ. Ironically, we are preparing to celebrate Jesus' birthday, yet when we look around us, so little of what surrounds us is about Jesus or about his birth in the world or about his birth in our life. Unfortunately, often people do not even attend the Christmas liturgies that I mentioned because they are either too tired or at home opening gifts or preparing meals. We really miss what this is all about. The word Christmas, if you break it up, literally means, in English, the Christ Mass. So there is really no Christmas without a Christ Mass, without us attending that Christ Mass, or for us, the Christmas Divine Liturgy. This is a very happy season of the year with time off work and school. Of course, with lots of parties, gatherings with family and friends, and many gifts. But as the saying goes, we should never forget that Jesus is the reason for this season. We, of course, all have our Christmas checklist. Spend some time with family and friends. Check. Buy a tree and decorate the home, check. Take time off work, check. Have a party and eat a lot of food, check. Buy some gifts and write another check, 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 check. <laughs> Get some exercise. No, actually, that's not right now. That's perhaps for our New Year's resolution. Put that off for now. All these are good. But what does our spiritual checklist look like? How are we preparing spiritually for the birth of Jesus? During this time of year, the prayers of the church focus on the people in the Old Testament who waited thousands of years for the coming of the Messiah. We as Christians often forget that Jesus came as a fulfillment of God's promise to destroy the work of the devil in this world and to restore us as humans to God, to restore that broken relationship that was, that was ruptured in the time from Adam and Eve. This promise of restoration was first made in Genesis chapter 3, verse 15. A very important yet often overlooked verse in the Bible where God tells the serpent I will put enmity between you and the woman and between your offspring and hers. They will strike at your head while you strike at, its, at their heel. This verse shows us that there is a constant battle between the offspring of the devil, which is all evil that surrounds us, and the offspring of the woman, which is all humanity. Since the beginning of creation... We as humans have battled with external evil and evil that we also allow to grow 
within us, with emotions that are unchecked, with anger, sometimes fear, anxiety, all sorts of thoughts that distract us from being rooted in Christ's peace and love. This passage in the book of Genesis reminds us that a descendant of the first woman, who we celebrate the fulfillment of in Jesus the Messiah, came to destroy the work of the devil and fulfilled the promise of Genesis 3.15 3, to strike at the head of evil. To emphasize this point, some statues of Mary portray her standing on a serpent. You may have one at home. This highlights that her offspring, Jesus, destroyed the work of the devil by being born in the same way that we are all born, then walking in our midst as Emmanuel, which means God is with us, then dying and rising from the dead to restore our humanity to God. This is a radically different emphasis than Santa Claus gifts and cookies. Jesus destroyed the power of death over us and promised us that at the end of time, we too will rise with him. And this is the heart of the Christmas message. When we appreciate everything God has done for us and all God has given us, our celebration of the birth of Jesus becomes full of a greater kind of joy than what we receive from buying, from giving, and even receiving gifts. In order to emphasize the long period of preparation that took place from Adam to Eve until the birth of Jesus, in December, our liturgical calendar commemorates six of the Old Testament prophets who prepared the way for the coming of Jesus. Nahum on December 1st, Habakkuk December 2nd, Zephaniah on December 13th, Haggai on December 16th, and Daniel on December 17th. In addition to this, the holy, the holy ancestors of Christ are commemorated two Sundays before Christmas. The genealogy of Christ is on the Sunday before Christmas, and on the Sunday after Christmas, we commemorate David, from whom Jesus' lineage comes from. These prophets and great figures never saw Jesus, yet they are an important part of our preparations as they prepared us and prepared everyone for His physical coming. What they prophesied was fulfilled in the coming of Jesus. A friend of mine was once teaching a class on the Old Testament prophets in a Catholic high school. He asked the class, can you name one of the prophets? And a child put up his hand and he said, Muhammad. This shows us that we, as Catholics, as followers of Christ, don't even know our own prophets. And that the relationship between the Old Testament prophets who reminded people of the coming of the Messiah is often not appreciated or not even on our radar. Kind of an abstract concept for us. The best way to appreciate that people prepare thousands of years for the birth of Jesus is actually to have uh, reading the Bible on our checklist. This should be the first point on our Christmas checklist. Before our trees, before our gifts, before 
the food that we are preparing. We best understand our identity as Christians by immersing ourselves in what is written in the Bible, the book that God himself wrote as a gift to each and every one of us. The Bible, of course, has some difficult passages. But when we read it slowly and look at the footnotes, it begins to make a lot of sense. And actually, it doesn't make any sense without those footnotes that make the connections. The footnotes often show us the important connection between how the Old Testament prophets prepared for the coming of Jesus in the New Testament. Very simple example is you open up the New Testament to the second gospel, Mark chapter 1, verses 1 to 3, which reads, The beginning of the gospel of Jesus Christ, the Messiah, the Son of God. Verse 2, As it is written in Isaiah the prophet, Behold, I am sending my messenger ahead of you. He will prepare your way, a voice of one crying out in the desert, Prepare the way of the Lord, make straight his paths. And if we open up our Bible and look at our footnotes, we see that these verses come from the book of the prophet Malachi, chapter 3-1, and the book of the prophet Isaiah 43. Not specifically mentioned there, but if we knew the Old Testament well, we would know and we would see these connections. And then when we turn to the book of Malachi, we read the context and the verse in the larger um, context of it. Now I am sending my messenger, he will prepare the way before me, and the Lord whom you seek will come suddenly to his temple, the messenger of the covenant whom you desire. See, he is coming, says the Lord of hosts. But who can endure the day of his coming? Who can stand firm when he appears? For he will be like a refiner's fire, like fuller's lie. He will sit refining and purifying silver. And then if we turn to the prophet Isaiah, we read, Comfort, give comfort to my people, says your God. Speak to the heart of Jerusalem and proclaim to her that her service has ended, that her guilt is expiated, that she has received from the hand of the Lord double for all her sins. A voice proclaims in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord, make straight in the wasteland a highway for our God. Every valley shall be lifted up, every mountain and hill made low. The rugged land shall be a plain, the rough country a broad valley. Then the Lord shall be revealed and all flesh shall see it together for the mouth of the Lord has spoken. These are our spiritual preparations to begin to see that Christ did not just appear. Very specific details were given for how he would come and what his message would be and also what the message of St. John the Baptist would be preparing the way of the Lord in the wilderness. This Old Testament context helps us appreciate that Jesus did not just appear. Rather, thousands of people eagerly awaited his coming for thousands of years in eager anticipation. Will this next child be the Messiah? Will this next child be the Messiah? Will this next child be the Messiah? And the prayers of the church encourage us to feel that same hope and expectation for the coming of the Lord. 
so that we may be able to experience the most possible amount of joy when we celebrate the birth of Jesus. That is why today we read the story of a woman who had a spirit of infirmity for 18 years. She was bent over and could not fully straighten herself. This reminds us that faith above all teaches us, encourages us to reflect on that we, on our own, cannot straighten ourselves. We cannot fix ourselves. No one can save himself, and no one can dig himself out of a hole that he created. And this is probably the greatest myth that we are sold today, is that you are your own savior. Nothing can be further from the truth, because you try to improve yourself all your life, and then you realize that your points of references, if they are only yourself, you're led astray. But if your point of references is Christ, who is our Savior, and if your point of reference is others, whoever you're trying to improve to serve, then it's a radically different picture. It is God, and this is what we are celebrating as we prepare for Christmas, it is God who makes the difficult roads easy. It is God who flattens all the mountains before us. And when we read the Bible, we realize this is not just blind hope, but a hope that others had and which they saw fulfilled because their hope was in God. One final point. In Arabic, when you welcome somebody, you say, Ahlan wa sahlan. What does this literally mean? Ahlan means that you are family. Ahl. That when you see a stranger, immediately that person becomes ahl, becomes a family. And sahlan, sahl. Two aspects of sahl. First is that something is easy, but also that something is flat. So on your journey, if you are going through the wilderness and you find a home with a light and you need help, somebody opens the door and he says, now you are family, and now everything is easy and everything is flat. You have no mountains to cross. You have no valleys. You have nothing. No danger because you are in my company and you are under my protection. That multiplied by a million is how God sees us and how we should see God. When we are in His presence, when we are in His company, all the mountains of difficulties are flattened before us. Hopefully, during these next 19 days, we will work on our spiritual checklist. When we grow in appreciation of all the spiritual and physical gifts God gives us, then we will be able to say a daily thank you to God, check. A daily commitment to learn more about our faith, check. A daily I love you, God, and my life is yours, check. And a daily desire to put my life and my faith in action. Keep checking these things and others on your spiritual checklist.